what I'm supposed to do at work tomorrow. It's an odd, odd thing that we do, and we should acknowledge that. It is, it is a journey to be a Christian, and you've got to get into the mindset of it. And I was wondering, not that we're not going to actually get you to put your hands up and say, how are you getting on with it, actually, with Bible study and things like the form of letters and stuff like that. Are you lost in it? Do you feel that God's speaking to you through it? Have you heard his voice yet in this series? Have you been listening properly to him, not to the people speaking, but to what he's got to say? You see, Paul has been on a massive journey. And as you know, we've been using this book, the the preaching team have been using this book as a bit of a prompt. We've been recommending it that that you guys grab a copy. We've got lots of copies that you can grab for free or give a bit of money for if you want to. It's Ephesians for you. And I'd recommend that if you are at this point where you're like, right, okay, we've gone through Ephesians now and I do want to dig a bit deeper. There are some thoughts that I've had here. I think God is speaking to me or I just want to find out more. Can I just recommend that you grab this book? It's really clearly written. That's why I like it. There's nothing hugely complicated in there. It's an easy read. But actually, it's really godly guidance for how you can get some takeaways from Ephesians. So that's the, the book plugged as well. But we have been, I'll put it down in a second, but we have been on a journey, haven't we, with Paul. And I was wondering where you are at right now. Abby, could we get the first picture up, please? It's coming up any second. It should be of a laminate floor. Can you see? Is it there? So if you can imagine that there's a picture of a laminate floor on the screen for a moment until we get there. Has anyone ever moved from having carpet to laminate floor? Has anyone ever made that transition or carpet to hard floor, right? Yeah? Now, we've, we, we've done this in our house before. Has anyone had the laminate floor moment where after a couple of days you realise just how much dust and human hair and grim stuff your family malt into your carpet, which now doesn't get absorbed into the laminate floor, and then you sweep up and you're horrified at how disgusting you are as a person. There's our laminate floor. There we go. So when we made this transition and that, there is that moment where you're like, this is grim, right? This is, like, this is a lot of stuff in our house. It's just kind of everywhere, bits of food that the children left around. Chloe's not here tonight, so I can be honest with you about our house. Um, but you get that laminate floor in place, but fortunately you've got a hoover and you can sweep up. And then comes the amazing feeling of having a laminate floor, and that is when it's clean, you know it's really clean. Now, no offence to anyone that's still got a carpet, right no offense to you but I love the fact that I know with my laminate floor I've been able to really go through the emotional moment of there's stuff everywhere but also really solve the issue as Paul has been describing everything that he's been describing up until now in his letter and we're going to go through some of it in a second has it been a little bit for you like having a laminate floor for the first time, so it just really exposed some stuff about you. Have you looked at it and said, this is really glorious to listen to, 
but I'm just not there spiritually. Is that what it's done? Let's have the next picture up. Is it for you, this is the physics of a roller coaster. If you're not interested in the talk, you can learn about a roller coaster tonight. Has it been for you like that slow bit of going up on a roller coaster all the way up and you've got this feeling of we've got all of these different things Paul is mentioning. You've got the glory of Jesus, the huge subject of your salvation. Jesus, phrases like the heavenly realms, everything just ramping up to the letter, taking you to this moment where we're going to dive in to some practical stuff. And that is what we're going to be doing tonight. Have you felt like it's just been a slow upward trajectory? Or the next picture, has it been, anyone that's into Formula One, um, has it been a little bit like how a Formula One driver approaches getting round a corner? Has it been taking things wide and it feels like you're moving actually away from the corner just so you're about to hit this apex and then you hit your foot, you've hit the pedal with your foot and you get flying through the corner and you come out in the most efficient way? Is, is that how it's been? Because I don't know about you, as I've been listening to the talks and doing some of the talks, there's been, it's felt like a lot of preparation work, a lot of kind of truths that are really important. And to quote Sam from last week who preached, it can sometimes be a bit like having your ears tickled and that's it, you can go away having heard something nice. Well, for me, staying with the Formula One analogy, it's like my favourite corner in the world of Formula One, which is Eau Rouge, if, you, if you're a Formula One fan, you'll spot it immediately, from the, from the Belgian Grand Prix. They go through this, they have to find the apex of this corner at about 180 miles an hour. And that hill that they have to go up is the steepest ascent in all of Formula One. So this is a major corner. And for me, that's what, a feed, this, that's what this has felt like for me. A bit of a mixture. I've not really felt too convicted. I've not really had a laminate floor moment or anything like that. I've not felt like it's been particularly slow, like the build-up of a roller coaster and like something big is happening. As I've been reading this, I kind of felt like I've been going through a really difficult technical corner at about 180 miles an hour, and now I actually just want to hit a straight and get something done. That's where I'm at. I wonder where you guys are at with all of that. And we plough in now, again, to quote Sam from last week, he said, my talk this week is easy. These were his words. I'm just telling you some truths about Jesus. The next person's got to tell you guys to have unity and stuff like that. That's who I feel sorry for. Well, I'm that guy, and I'm happy to be that guy, actually, because I think that unity is really important. Let's just be really clear where we've gotten to. I'm going to outline for you, I really enjoyed making this list. I'm going to outline for you some of the stuff that has taken us to this point in the letter. This is our list that Paul has given us. We're blessed in the heavenly realms. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We're chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in God's sight. It was God's actual pleasure and desire to adopt us into his family because he loves us. In Jesus, he's given us freely glorious grace. We have redemption. We have the forgiveness of our sins. We have the full riches of God's grace. We've got grace that isn't given in meagre portions, but it's been lavished on us. 
He's given us access to his wisdom and understanding. Like in list form, it's easy to skip over this stuff. Any one of these is life-changing. He's made known the mystery of his will. He's going to fulfill all things for us in Christ. He's chosen us to be the praise of his glory. He's been, we've been included in Jesus and all that he represents to this world. We've been marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of the salvation that we have. You ha- we've got an inheritance from God that is in the pipeline in heaven that is on its way for us. We're God's possession he has us. We've been given a spirit of revelation. We've had the opportunity to open the eyes of our heart and to see the deepest hope known to man. We're God's holy people. We've got access to incomparably great power and mighty strength in Jesus. Everything we see in the resurrection of Jesus is now focused on us and belongs to us power that is above all rule and all authority no one can evoke a name that is beyond the god who loves us in this way we used to be dead in our transgressions but in his mercy and great love he has made us alive we've been raised up with jesus we're seated with jesus in the heavenly realms at the right hand of god we have the kindness of god on our side none of this has come from us all of it has been given to us by god with a handiwork created in jesus to be to do good Um, It's good that we haven't invented. It's good that God has prepared in advance for us to do. We're citizens of the true Israel. We were far away and now we've been brought near. We have peace. Who can say that in this world? We have peace with God. We are the one new humanity. We have accessed the Father by one spirit. We're built on the cornerstone that is Jesus. Um, a mystery that previous generations of this world um, had no access to, has been revealed to us now in this time. Through us, the manifold wisdom of God is to be made known. That's our job. We can approach God with freedom and confidence in a way that no other generations have been able to in world history. We can be strengthened in our inner being by his power. Jesus dwells in us we are loved with this wide long deep and high kind of omni love that God has for us we've got love that surpasses all of our knowledge we can be filled with the measure of the fullness of God we have a God who can do immeasurably more than anything we ask or even imagine and somehow in us lot God can be glorified And that's just me reading through the first few chapters of Ephesians, noting the stuff that strikes me the most, just coming off of the page. We've been getting ready for something here with Paul. Paul's working with this church. He's working with the Ephesians. God is working with us. And he's about to tell us what we need to do about all of this stuff. So, yeah, we are at the very top of a roller coaster. 
and we're going to need all the downward trajectory we can get. That's why our thoughts have been raised so high in the early chapters, because we've got some loop-the-loops to go through together, not just in the talks, but the stuff we're going to do about it as well, following on from the talks and the things that this church family is called to do. Yeah, we're going to hit the apex of the corner, and we're going to need to hit accelerate. We're going to need to go for it. And yes... We've got a laminate floor that is exposing all of our dusty, crusty bits, and we're going to need to sweep them up and get it sorted. That is going to need to happen, but that's okay because we've got this God that was just described here with us the whole way. Therefore, Paul says, and starts this passage, he says, therefore, we've now got to get on with being church. God's done all of that. We've got to get on with being church. And that's what he's calling us to do. And first of all, he goes straight to unity. Us being together and making it work. Take a look at verse two and do keep your Bibles open and track what I'm saying. Make sure I'm not making anything up and bring questions after if you want to. Look at what it says in verse two. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, what a verse. Completely humble, completely gentle, completely patient, bearing with each other in love. What an incredible church revolutionising verse that is. What if we read that verse before we sent an eggy email to the vicar about something we don't like? What if we read that verse when um, we had a personal disagreement with somebody? What if that was the verse that was on my mind as I parent my children always? What if that was the verse that was on my mind every time I had a conversation with someone, even a difficult person, would that verse alone not revolutionise St John's? And that's not to say that we're a particularly horrible bunch, but we do need that verse, don't we? Completely gentle, completely humble. So I've got a question. Let's get really practical on this. Have you got a problem with someone in this church? Is there someone that you've got a problem with? Someone you've had a row with, a disagreement with, someone you're not getting on with, and at the same time as being involved in that sort of thing, do you also feel massively called by God to be Jesus in this world and you're having to reconcile those two things? Are you in that situation? Paul is calling the Ephesians to get that stuff sorted. And this passage is calling me, you guys, everyone here to get that stuff sorted if we get that stuff sorted then we will see the holy spirit sweep through this place in a way like we've never seen before because the children of god will be loving one another as god intended now i've got a wonderful assistant in the form of nathan who's going to be helping me out i'm going to give you some equipment that is going to unify this entire church are you ready big moment for us all guys you're each going to be given two tea bags all you need to do is use these tea bags to have a cup of tea with a person you don't like much. <laughs> That's all you've got to do. If there is an old score that you need to put to bed, you take these two tea bags, you apply hot water, splash of milk, maybe some sugar, as it's supposed to be a nice time, 
and get it sorted. So Nathan is going to go around some Yorkshire tea and make sure everyone's got all the equipment we need to get it done. Okay, we can give Nathan a round of applause. Just for... <laughs> Wonderful. We, we joke, but this is, this is core. This is core to be in church. There are people in this room that have been here for decades, decades and decades, and they will tell you that church is about rolling with it bearing with one another, finding forgiveness, and just pure and simple making friends when you've had an issue with somebody. It almost sounds too practical to be spiritual in a way, but it is. It's really important. Use your tea bags. Make sure it happens. I was tempted to call these unity bags, but I thought you'd respect me less, so, so I've got to carry on. It's really important. Cheers for that, Nathan. But it's not just unity. It's not just, it's not just unity that Paul's looking for here. And this is really, really key. This is where we need to dig into some of the, the theology behind what Paul's saying here. We need to bring God into this equation. So unity, for unity's sake, where everybody just gets along and settles their difference, isn't quite entirely what Paul is talking about. In Judges, there's a verse at the very end, the book of Judges, and it's chapter 21, verse 25. And Israel, ancient Israel, are in a a massive state, and they don't know whether they're coming or going. There is no unity whatsoever, and they're crying out, basically, for a king. And this is what this verse says, last verse in Judges. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And that is the nation described in one sentence. We live in a culture, don't we, of equal opportunities policies, of making sure that everybody has their fair say. What's good for you is good for you. Brilliant, I celebrate that. What's good for me is good for me. Brilliant, I celebrate that. How often have you had conversations about what you believe and you've been with people that don't believe what you believe and you're praying that they would turn to Jesus and their response is possibly the hardest thing to hear as someone that wants them to turn to Jesus. And they go, that's great for you. I've got a personal faith of a different kind. And you come, they come away feeling like they've had a conversation of massive unity, and in some ways they have. But you come away thinking, when are they going to know Jesus? When are they going to make that step? Unity on its own, just everyone getting along, could just be what this culture is offering us at the moment. It's just not the ticket when it comes to God. So that doesn't mean that no matter what ideas anyone that comes through the doors has over the next 10, 15 years comes in, it's our job, according to the book of Ephesians, to be humble and gentle and kind and loving and absorb any belief system that's out there into what it is that we believe for the sake of unity. It can feel like the intuitive kind move, can't it? To flex and be as open as you possibly can. But actually, 
when you look at what's in Ephesians, oh, there's a tea bag. What, when you look at what's in Ephesians chapter four, we have a very, very, very different picture. Make every, this is verse three. Make every effort to keep the bond of the unity of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's hard sometimes to be a Christian in this world because so often you can come across as unwilling to compromise and sometimes come across as less kind than those that don't prescribe to any particular faith. Because when you don't prescribe to any particular faith, you're less likely to be in a position where you have to say to someone, I disagree with you which can be a hard thing to do. Similarly, as a church family here, what we believe is hugely important to our unity. We have to make sure that we are believing the same things. And we've seen this, and we're not going to go hugely into what's going on out in the world and in the wider church and all that, but we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen that played out. And it's really key for us, as the family of St. John's, that although we might have disagreements on secondary issues and stuff like that, it's so important that our unity is found in the Holy Spirit, in God's word, in what Jesus has for us. And Jesus is the key. You see, Jesus didn't come into a world that had no king like Judges chapter 21, 25, where everyone's just doing what they want. That's not the world that Jesus came into. If you look back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, there's another ruler, there's a character there. You followed the ways of this world, it says, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. There's a different king in chapter 2, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. There's a different spirit. There's something else going on. And without understanding this, the next bit of what Paul has to say in chapter 4 just, just doesn't really make any sense. You see, Jesus came to do battle with this ruler. We weren't sat waiting. We are never sat waiting for a king to show up. Everybody's got a king. It's either this ruler of the kingdom of the air or it's Jesus, this ruler that is described in chapter four here. You have in verse eight, this is why it said, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. That's a quote from a psalm from several centuries before and it's there to conjure this image of Jesus leading us victorious not victorious over us we're not his captives because he's taken us prisoner we're his captives because he's taken on the ruler of the kingdom of the air and he's won and he's freed us and he's unified us in him 
by the power of his spirit. It is not just an exercise in being gentle. It's not just holding back from being harsh. It's actually about being unified with a sense of conviction and saying, I follow this guy. Jesus is my God. And what he says goes. And what his word says goes. It's huge. We have this unity that we must work on. So whether you need to think further about what, what you believe and you need to work those things through, or maybe you need to have that cup of tea with someone, we've got to prioritise unity. We have to as a church. We must come together and be unified. But then Paul moves on to an equally big subject, and this is where I want us to really focus this evening as we come away because Paul begins to describe what this new leader this conquering hero that's leading us like captives in his train does can you see that he gives gifts verse 11 it was he who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and some to be teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up this leader wants to give you gifts let me put it another way this leader wants you to do something Let me put it another way. This leader is calling you. Constantly. Calling you. Being a Christian is not a a passive thing. Being in this train behind this, this conquering hero, Jesus, this is not a passive thing where we come along and consider things Sunday by Sunday and go away and do nothing about it. He's calling you to do something you might already know what that thing is you might be being called to do multiple things at work uh, at once but he is without question calling you he's looking right now at us and he knows what work he has for us to do and in that unity that we can have in Jesus we can rest and we can stop and we can listen How do you listen to God? How, then, do we find out what it is that God is calling us to do? Well, we have his word that we hear from, that we read, that we love, that we grow through. But there's something else that we can do. And it might be something that you already have in your spiritual walk, in your walk with Jesus. But if it's not, then I'd like to introduce you to it tonight. It's listening prayer. It's prayer where you're not just saying to God, these are the things that I need from you. And also you're not taking the time to praise him. Although that's all part of prayer, right? Those things aren't wrong by any stretch. It's this part of prayer where you simply come before God and you say, my life is yours. You're leading me as a captive in your train. What do you want me to do? What do you want from me? What are you saying to me?
Now, that's not going to necessarily, in fact, I'm pretty confident that it won't result in an audible voice from heaven. Sometimes it does for people. But if you're not praying that kind of prayer, if you're not coming before God regularly and saying, what's next for me? I'm following you. You're missing out hugely on so much that God could be doing. So much. When I was younger, I was, all, I was brought up in a church that we were constantly told from when we were tiny, read your Bible and pray every day. Read your Bible and pray every day. Read your Bible and pray every day. And guess what? I read my Bible and pray every day. I do that. But I struggled with it at one point in my life because it felt legalistic. And it felt, I felt guilty if I didn't do it and overly godly if I did do it. So it became really, really legalistic for me. What I've realised now, having spoken to all of my Sunday school teachers that are still around as adults and find out a bit more about what they were going through in life whilst rocking up on a Sunday morning to teach little Jamie about the Bible and all of that, it turns out that the reason they were saying to me, read your Bible and pray every day, was because they knew how desperately I was going to need God and how desperately I was going to need to hear from him in my life. And by praying and reading your Bible, you can hear from him in that way. So, we're going to do something this evening. And I'm hoping it's going to become part of what we do Sunday by Sunday. And we're going to be providing some space during the um, songs that in the response time where we are going to have an opportunity for anyone that wants to pray together to pray into what they've heard, to maybe do some listening prayer, maybe to start saying, God, what do you want for me? What's the next step for me? Why is that important for us as a church? It's important for us as a church because it's what we are. That's what the church is. That's why we do this funny thing every Sunday of, oh, I read a Roman letter. And it was quite interesting, actually. That's why we do it. It's not because any of us actually like ancient texts. You might, but not, not many people like ancient texts. Right? But it's because God will speak to us. I'm going to invite Matt up briefly just to talk about how we're going to go about um, praying. Is that all right? Thanks, Jamie. A lot of encouragement there and a lot of challenge there. So thank you for that. So uh, Jamie's already explained it, but what we're going to do now, during the time of worship, we can just stay where we're sitting if we want to. But if you want to... Myself, and for those of you who don't know who I am, I know most of you do, but I'm part of the, the ministry team and the leaders' council here at St John's. Myself and Helen, my wife, and Jamie, we'll just be sitting over there and we'll just be praying during this time, praying about some of these things. I think simply praying that we will hear from God and expecting Him to speak to us as we're praying. So we're going to be over there praying. If you want to join us you can do 
just come over, sit with us and pray as well. Just pray on your own. Don't need to pray with us. But if you want one of us to pray with you about some of these things, then we're happy to do that as well. So does that make sense? Okay, thank you. Thanks, Matt. Just as the um, band come up, and uh, let, let, me just, let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, your word speaks so, so powerfully. I want to thank you for the challenge and encouragement that it is to me. Lord God, I want to pray for the hearts of, of people that have got those tea bags in their hand and they know who they need to speak to, Father. I pray, Lord God, that your spirit would work there. I pray for unity, Father. I pray for this church family. Lord God, we love you. We pray that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen.